feel stuck, tired of wrestling with shame, insecurity, and hiding your flaws? Friend, I've been there, and it's time to come out of hiding. God wants to meet you in the middle of your big, hot mess. I'm Kimberly Stokes, and I'm on mission to help real women just like you get unstuck and meet Jesus in all the ordinary moments. Find me on Instagram at Kimberly K. Stokes or my business website, connectcoach.co. Ephesians 3.20 says God can do far more than you could ever imagine. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Hello, hello, my friend. I'm so glad you joined me for today's episode, Is Shame Sneaking In? This is part two, actually, of a two-part series on shame. And in the last episode, we addressed the reality of shame and differentiated between the emotion of shame versus the oppressive nature of a shame-based identity. And um, if you haven't listened to that episode, I really encourage you to go back. You can listen to this one first, but I think that has some really practical um, insights that can help you in your journey as well. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't. Uh, We also, in that episode, talked about some ways that shame affects us, causing us to hide from God, hide from others, and hide from ourselves. And shame can have such an overt and obvious influence in some of our lives, and we're very, very aware of its roar. Or shame can be super sneaky and almost be like a silent partner that hides underneath our issues. And for some people, shame and the effects of shame can be very covert, and we're not even aware of its influence. And that's how it was for me. For many years, I didn't even realize that there was this like silent shame underneath all my struggles with eating disorder and perfectionism. I was aware of my issues, but completely unaware of the just this low level of shame that lay beneath it. So whether shame has been overtly at work in your life, or maybe you're like me and you've been unaware of this silent, silent shame that's been operating, I think today's episode will be eye-opening and super practical for you. In today's show, we're going to examine how a narrative of shame from childhood can impact our lives today as adults, and the impact that shame has on our intimate relationships with our spouse, family, close friends, in what I call a shame wave. And then lastly, we're going to discuss shame crashes and a practical plan to curb shame crashes in our relationships. We'll also discuss how to partner with God in the midst of a shame crash. So let's get to it. Shame has so many faces and buried shame, meaning shame that hasn't been dealt with, it frequently turns to anger. So to feel the emotion of shame occasionally simply means we're human. But I want to just do a quick review from last time and distinguish between the emotion of shame versus an overall view of self through a filter or a lens of shame. So this filter of shame occurs when we felt vulnerable and exposed and maybe we just consistently received or interpreted a message in our childhood, I'm not enough, I should be perfect, I'm not okay. We may have heard this outright from our parents in childhood, or we may have inferred it and blamed ourselves. But somehow, somewhere, some way along the way, we developed this base of shame. And it's like a shame filter through which we see ourselves in the world. So if we have a shame-based identity, 
that's where it came from. And when when I say filter, I mean like think of your filter on your camera, how it changes the color of the image. Imagine how the sh- a shame filter would, would cloud and change how you see yourself through this miscolored filter of shame, which works hand in hand with insecurity and fear. So some fruit of seeing ourselves through a shame filter, just as a background info, it's, it's comparison, fear of taking risks, Hiding, we can hide from ourselves, from God, from others. Depression, low self-esteem, um, eating disorders, ex- di- just difficulty, a real difficulty experiencing intimacy and relationships. Blame, blaming others or blaming ourselves. Think Adam and Eve in the garden, how quickly they moved from shame into blame. And that, just beware in our lives the little things that cause us to go inward or to hide or to isolate or insulate ourselves, watch for those because we can quickly move from that into blaming others. And that can be a sign that we're operating in shame. So there's a distinction to be made between a fleeting feeling or emotion of shame, which is a normal human feeling that we all experience from time to time, Versus this filter of shame, which is a form of demonic oppression, usually related to childhood trauma or some form of trauma that we've lived through. And it's not God's will for us to be tormented by shame or to see ourselves through this filter of shame because that's not truth. That's not how God sees us. So if you consistently struggle with this filter of shame, I want to encourage you, you can get free. It's not a magic wand. It will take some effort. And cooperating and partnering with God, but that filter of shame does not have to be the continual tent through which that just shapes the way you see yourselves and your emotions and your perception of who you are. In today's episode, I want to focus on shame, specifically the effects that shame has on our relationships. So shame can, it can affect relationship in a myriad of ways. And I want to touch on a few practical ways that shame sneaks in and affects relationship in confusing, in hurtful, and in damaging ways. First of all, it's important to realize that shame sneaks into relationships many times and we're completely unaware of it. And when we recognize that shame is operating, I've got two questions we can ask ourselves that can be quite helpful. First question is, is this touching an old wound for me? Explore that some with yourself, with the Lord. Second question is, is this a trigger of past pain or trauma for me? These two simple questions can help us figure out the origin of our shame or it can help provide a safe place for our spouse to process and unlock some of their shame if they're willing. When we respond from a a point of shame in a relationship, it really leaves our friend, our spouse, our child, our parent, our coworker, whomever we're dealing with, usually it leaves them feeling really confused. Or if your spouse is responding from a place of shame, their response to you is probably going to leave you pretty confused. For example, so let's say my husband was to make an observation about Some simple benign issue. Let's say he says, Wow, Kimberly, it seems like you aren't cooking meals as much as you used to. Which he hasn't said, but if he did say that, it would be completely true. It would just be a simple statement of truth because I haven't been cooking as much as I used to. 
But if he said that, he's not necessarily attaching a judgment to that statement or to me. But here's the deal. If I unintentionally respond to his comment from a silent shame narrative from my childhood that I have to be perfect, I'm going to be hearing what he says through this relational vibration, is what I'm calling it, in his message that he was not sending. So I call this a shame wave. And it's like a wave of shame begins to resound in the message that I received. So the message of, it seems like you aren't cooking as much as you used to. I want you to visualize his simple statement of truth. It's just a little fact as a flat line. But this message, if I hear it through a shame wave and this vibration of shame, it changes the flat line of his statement into a wave. It's like a shame wave that's loaded with subconscious triggers in my heart, my thoughts, my emotion due to my own childhood issues. So when that happens in this example, I'm not hearing the flatline statement of what Shannon said, just a fact. Rather, what I hear, I'm inferring And through this shame wave, that I'm not cooking enough, that I'm not pleasing him. Or maybe I could just simply be hearing it through this shame wave of like, oh, wow, he wishes I'd cook more. Basically, the message that I might interpret is I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it well enough. I'm not perfect. I'm not pleasing him. On and on and on. You get what I'm trying to say here, right? So interpreting a message through a shame wave, in this example, completely changed the actual message that was sent. Instead of it being a statement of fact, what I heard was a statement with a judgment attached. And that was totally not what my husband was saying. And again, this is just a simple example. A simple example. And But it's, it's the kind of thing that can happen frequently in our marriage and family relationships. If we're unaware of the way shame waves cause us to wrongly interpret what someone is saying. To make this concept maybe a little more clear, I've got a musical example. So you know how in worship music nowadays, there's almost always like a pad sound that's laid down in um, on whatever key you're singing in. You know what I mean? It's like a there's like this pad sound in music. It's playing and it's like this reverberating sound in the background. So like if you're playing a song in A major, there's a pad with that number, the one chord that's laid down and constantly playing underneath the song. And that seems like an easy way to describe, just to describe this shame wave in my mind as a musician. I hope it makes sense to you if you're not a musician. But if I hear Shannon's simple words, through this pad of shame, this wah, but imagine that wah is this up and down, undulating, just, you know, reverberation of shame affecting his message. It's like this, his simple comment that he said, I'm receiving it, but I'm receiving a message with this shame wave in there that isn't even the message he sent. How many times does this happen in our communication, specifically with our spouse? If you respond to your parent, your spouse, or your friend, and they seem really confused by your response, pay attention because you may have just interpreted their message through your own shame wave. And that undulating effect of shame, it twisted their message. 
In other words, you may have heard something that they weren't even saying. Thus, why a shame wave. And when we respond from shame, it can leave others just like scratching their heads and so confused. This is huge in our relationships. When we hear someone with this pad of shame or this shame wave already laid down, we can hear a simple comment, yet our shame wave internalizes their simple statement to reinforce the shame we may already feel or what we used to feel in our childhood. Sometimes we could have been healed from that shame, but every now and then there can be something that's said that may trigger that shame or that feeling from our childhood. So that's why when we respond unknowingly from a shame narrative, our friend or spouse feels super confused because our shame twisted their words. We assume they mean something that they aren't even saying. So in the example of Shannon making a comment about my cooking, it was just an observation with no judgment, no condemnation, like truly an innocent and truthful comment. But if I responded from a place of shame, like that shame pad reverberating in my head, I might get defensive and respond harshly. I might go into blame um, that he'd rather eat out anyway, so why bother cooking? Um, Again, be aware of the link between shame and blame. Or I could just go silent into shame and just kind of hide. And all those responses would probably confuse him because it's like an overreaction to a simple like statement of truth that he made. Or I could get really vulnerable about what I thought I heard. There have been times over the course of our marriage where Shannon and I have both responded to one another in ways that left the other one like scratching our head, super confused. And when that happens, the sound of this shame wave is usually infiltrating one of the messages that we received. And it's not just in marriage. This can happen in communication with anyone that we're close to. When I've made an observation to Shannon and he overreacts or he has a response that shows a lot of anger or maybe it's more emotional than what you think is warranted, it's become a huge clue to me that his shame may have been triggered. So it's the trigger that starts that shame wave, that shame pad, and then we hear the message through the reverberating and undulating shame, 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 ringing on it. That's why it's so confusing to whomever we talk to or whomever we respond to because they're like, what's going on? So seriously, I can look back and see and remember times I've responded to not only my spouse, but to my mom, my sister, my brother, and even close friends or our kids in this. And it's like I overreacted in a way that seemed off. And when this happens, it's not really about what they said. It's about what I heard because this shame wave was triggered as I received their message. Honestly, I see this, this effect of shame waves in communication played out in so many marriages and it turns into needless fights because a spouse is completely clueless that they're hearing and filtering through a shame wave, which is unknowingly twisting the message. If you're on the receiving end of this and you get rather puzzled in your communication with your spouse or you're like, oh my goodness, what just happened? Or why is he so frustrated or angry? Why is he overreacting? 
instead of responding in a like manner and anger or frustration, there's another way to respond. And instead of reacting, I want to encourage us to respond in kindness. We can meet shame, our spouse's shame, with empathy. And we can meet our own shame with empathy, actually. But we can simply ask, if it seems like our partner's responding from shame or you're like, what the heck just happened? We can simply ask, you know, I'm really, I'm confused. Really want to understand how you're feeling right now. Can you tell me what you just heard? That's a way to honor our spouse, to show them that, that, they, that they matter to us, that they're valuable, and just to kind of do a quick check-in. When I've done this with Shannon and his shame is triggered, he usually says something like, well, I feel like I'm not pleasing you or I feel like I'm not doing it right. That intel is super important to me. So, And it's just like it is a, a red flag for me that his shame was just triggered. And I'd love to say that when he responds like that, it's always his shame that's at work. But honestly, sometimes, sadly, it might be that I'm being too rigid. Maybe I'm operating out of unrealistic expectation for him. Or maybe I'm just really frustrated with him. All those things are real. And that those are scenarios in real life. But we can be willing to explore our own personal issues. And that is going to help in every relationship if we'll take a good look at ourselves and see if we in any way are playing into this. When Shannon's shame is triggered and he feels like he's not doing it right or pleasing me, the best thing I've learned that I can do is meet him with love and empathy. And like I said, try to honestly look at myself. Am I being rigid? Um, Is my perfectionism sneaking in here? I try to ask myself, am I doing or thinking or expecting anything that's unhealthy right now? Another question that's huge that I like to ask myself, what's it like to be married to me in this moment? That really helps give me a glimpse of like, what's he experiencing? So if we truly meant no judgment, like in that scenario with Shannon, if he meant no judgment in what he said about the cooking, then he can know that was my shame wave, which was twisting things. Then we can just clarify with our spouse that there was no judgment meant. We can apologize if they felt hurt. And then we can try to resend our message more clearly after we've checked in and we heard what they heard, how that shame twisted the message. It's super important to be aware of our own issues and willing to own our own issues when they're at play. And that's why humility is so important. It's vital to experience intimacy in relationships. Humility is vital. So don't be afraid to examine your own heart and to meet your spouse in humility and vulnerability. I hope after hearing this, it will give you increased insight and even language to begin to recognize when you're triggered and you hear a message through a shame wave or to start to recognize when your spouse is triggered and they're responding from a shame wave. So being vulnerable and letting others in on our shame, it's the path towards healing. And that's also true with the Lord. Some things that can trigger our shame wave. I just want to go over a few of these briefly. It could be when we feel stupid or dumb can trigger a shame wave. Feeling incompetent or inadequate. Feeling like we're just not good enough or we're not doing it right. 
fear of what others think, their opinion of us, feeling worthless or invaluable. Embarrassment can also trigger a shame wave. Feeling exposed or vulnerable, not safe emotionally. Another thing that can um, trigger shame waves, it's, it's abandonment issues and then also rejection. And I want to touch on this one for a minute. Rejection is a big one that can trigger shame waves in us or our spouse. And it's really important to note this can be like actual legit rejection or it can simply be perceived rejection. So perceived rejection is just as important as actual rejection. If your spouse feels rejected by you, they don't need you to say, I wasn't rejecting you. They need your empathy, your affection, your kindness, and your tenderness. For me, this plays out when I realize I responded from a shame wave and overreacted to a situation. And if I ask myself, why did that feel so big? It's usually because I was responding from a place of shame and or past rejection. And for me, that usually goes back to childhood, to this feeling like I wasn't perfect. And if I take a second to simply reflect on the why, I can evaluate this and realize, oh wow, that was just a system one brain response. It was like a trigger of rejection. And I just responded like a petulant eight-year-old child, wounded kid, instead of a grown woman who's in love with Jesus. So for me, realizing how I interpreted that message through this shame wave warped or changed what they actually meant or what they actually said, it makes a huge difference. So if I get vulnerable, verbalize, hey, wait a minute, this is what I just heard here. And I'm recognizing, I'm feeling like this wave of shame over my heart. I can just check in with my husband or my sister or my friend. Now, doing this takes courage. It requires humility and vulnerability, but it's such a powerful way to navigate through shame, to not get stuck in shame, and it leads into relational restoration and increased connection. Marriages get in big trouble when the couple are both responding and hearing each other from their shame waves. It's like it becomes this really dysfunctional dance of shame that neither partner enjoys, but they both know the steps really well of how this dance plays out. So if you or your spouse operate from this shame wave, it's frustrating and probably very confusing because he may hear messages that are really distorted from these shame vibrations He's interpreting a different message or you're interpreting a different message than is being sent. I had a coaching client that I work with that shared how her husband was instantly going into the shame mode when she said something confrontational to him. And she was really like genuinely sad because that wasn't her aim or her intent. It was super confusing because when he responded in such a defensive way, He wasn't hearing what she was really saying. So it just became this shame dance and lots of conflict, lots of needless conflict because of the shame wave that he was interpreting it through. So if you can relate to this, I want to encourage you to speak the truth in love and empathy. 
You can't free your spouse from his or her shame, but you can love your spouse where he is and invite him into a safe place to explore what he's feeling without judgment, that you care about him and that it matters. What he's thinking and feeling really matters to you. So a a practical way to do this, another thing is just to ask the Lord, Lord, help me. How do I respond to him right now? Or if it's with your child, God, how do I respond to her right now? God is so brilliant and he loves, loves, loves to help us in these messy moments. Think about the difference of delivery in these two responses. If I respond to my spouse with, that's your shame filter. That's not what I meant. Versus if I say, wow, that seems to have hit a nerve. I'd love to know what you're feeling and what you're thinking right now. Both of those responses could come from a place of me recognizing that my partner's responding in shame. But one in, one response invites vulnerability and invites connection and intimacy. And the other response was cold and it only invites more distance. So when we respond in shame, we disconnect from others. And we're often believing lies from childhood that hurt us. And consequently, we can stay stuck in this perpetual cycle of shame. So today, I want to give you some practical ways to get out of this cycle of shame responses, which I call shame crashes. So when we need to recognize when our shame wave is activated, it twists or perverts what the other person is saying. And then when we respond from that place of shame, from that shame wave, the message we received, it's like a shame crash where our shame crashes into the other person, crashes into the communication, and it's like a huge wave crashing onto the shore of a that obliterates a sandcastle. So in our relationship, it's like boom! And then the other person is left like, what just happened? We can recognize that shame waves, when we're responding to a message through a shame wave, it can cause a shame crash in the relationship. Shame crashes are when we respond out of that place of shame. And it's like we're going with or riding that shame wave. It can look different and you know have many different responses and waves, but I'm going to touch on a few ways that shame crashes manifest in our relationships. When we respond from shame and shame crash in the relationship, it may look like overreacting. And this is basically that that fight mode where it can include like getting angry, being offended, hostile, being defensive. It's like we go into enemy mode, but for something that's totally not warranted. So when I unknowingly ride out a shame wave, this is how I tend to respond to it is overreacting. And for me, that looks like usually being defensive or standing my ground on whatever I did instead of meeting it with humility. So in this mode of overreacting, it's like we're kind of overprotective of ourselves and kind of bowed up on the inside. But overreacting creates distance in relationship, not connection. Another way that shame crashes can affect our relationship and what it looks like is blaming. Blaming the other person for something totally unrelated. 
Blame is often a defense mechanism that we learned in childhood. And when we're responding from the shame wave, it can become a habit to blame someone else for something else. So basically blame, it's an effort to get the focus off of self and onto someone else. Basically, it's like saying, I'm not the only one at fault here. And then you throw up some sort of a complaint in the face of your partner. So blame tries to turn the tables off of our own shame or inadequacies and onto the other person. Sadly, blame really is a tactic to try to throw a shame wave onto somebody else. And that can all be subconscious and we're not even aware of it. But blaming also, it creates emotional distance, not connection. Another way that shame crashes can manifest in our relationship can be to just simply freeze up. And this is like what I'd call a shame overload. So this looks like a sudden inability to communicate due to high levels of shame. So we just shut down emotionally. It may come across as apathy. It may come across as anger. It may look like the silent treatment, but the root is actually this shame overload where the person is incapacitated and doesn't know how to recover from their intense emotions of shame. Most of the time, for people who do this, they really don't yet, and note I said yet, they can learn them, but they don't yet have the relational skills to recognize what they're doing, and they don't know how to get out of this shame overload. They just feel completely shut down. So if you see this in your spouse, you may want to ask him to listen to this episode because knowledge really is power. And you can't change yourself and you can't grow when you don't even understand what's happening. Instead of saying, you really need to listen to this podcast episode, you could say, wow, I listened to a podcast that really encouraged me, helped to give language to some of the things that I see happening in our relationship. I'd be really love for you to listen to it. Let me know what you think. Just do it in a really like beneficial way, not you got to hear this. This is what's wrong with you. But if freezing up happens with any amount of frequency in your marriage, whether that's on your end or your spouse's end, that relationship is going to feel super stuck and super messy because issues aren't being talked through and resolved. So if one of you, one or both of you get stuck in this shame overload, it may frequently feel like a stalemate. And you may get to the point of why bother, you know, and just become apathetic. So I encourage you, deal with this. Get help. You can learn how to deal with shame and not just freeze up and get stuck. So once again, like the other responses I've mentioned, freezing up, it creates emotional distance, not connection. Another way that shame crashes can manifest in our relationship is just leaving or walking away, which is like that, you know, you've heard of fight or flight mode. This is the flight mode. I'm out of here. When this happens, it might seem like the easiest way to deal with your shame. And many times people who do this, it's just like they learn that in childhood to get out of a difficult situation and emotionally like negatively emotionally charged environment. They learn, I'm just going to go to my room or I get alone. I get by myself. So that's many times why people do that. But they don't have the relational skills to process their shame. And then it triggers more feelings of abandonment and rejection. And if it's not dealt with, 
these feelings of abandonment and rejection will just continue to grow if the underlying issue of shame isn't dealt with. So a healthy response, instead of just walking away from your um, spouse or your friend, would be to let your spouse know you're struggling with shame, to get vulnerable, that you need some time to regroup. So you could say something like, you really matter to me, and I want to respond to this in a healthy way, but right now I need a time out to deal with my own shame. Can you please excuse me for a little bit? Maybe we can reconvene and talk about this after dinner. So you can set up a time to talk about it later, but at the same time, have some self-care for you to go deal with your own issues and get a little insight into what's going on in your heart and emotions. If we don't reconvene and talk about this, but just continue a pattern of walking away when things get hard, more and more emotional distance will be created and we're moving away from connection and into more and more distance in the relationship. And since the goal of our intimate relationships with our spouse, children, or close friends, our goal is intimacy, right? Our goal is connection. I'm going to share a simple ABCD acronym that can help curb shame crashes in our relationships. So just as we can have a car crash, I'm going to share some practical ways to give you increased insight to help if your relationship is having a shame crash. So this will help you deal with any shame you may feel or experience and or to address the shame you sense your spouse may be struggling with. So A is aware. So it's like, uh-oh, I'm really feeling intense right now. My husband seems taken back or confused by my response. This is a huge clue. Something is off here. If we give in to our shame, our rejection, or anger, then we're going to miss that moment to be aware. So think of it like this. If you're driving a car and you aren't aware, which I can be so guilty of. I'm not the best driver. I'll admit it. But if you're not aware, it's kind of like driving with your eyes closed and you're definitely going to crash. So awareness is critical in our relational interactions as much as it is when we're driving a car. So just be aware. And on the other kind of receiving end, if you're receiving a confusing message from your spouse, be aware. Be like, oh, I wonder if they heard that through a shame wave. So you can check in with them. So B is going to be brakes and breathe. And just like in our vehicle, if you're in your car and you hit the brakes or you tap on the brakes, it's just going to slow you down, right? So slow down and simply breathe. Take a few deep breaths. This helps de-escalate our system one brain function, that fight, flight, or freeze. It engages our parasympathetic nervous system. It enables us to show up relationally and not in enemy mode. And for me, on the breaks and breathe, I like to breathe in. Again, I know I share this with you guys a lot, but it's so helpful relationally to just, when I breathe in, it's like, take a deep breath in, and it's like, Holy Spirit, fill me, and then as you breathe out, breathe out your shame or breathe out your anger, your fear, rejection, whatever it is. So A, aware. B, breaks and breathe. C, it's going to be connect with God and yourself. This takes awareness to a completely different level because we're engaging with God and ourselves. We may be confused why we're so ramped up emotionally or feeling such intense anger or shame. We may be confused and not know, but God knows. He's on the case. 
And he loves to partner with us in these relational messy moments. So connect to the Holy Spirit. We can submit our hearts and our emotions to him and let him lead us. So A is aware, B is breaks and breathe, C is connect with God in yourself, and D is going to be driver's seat. So let the Holy Spirit be in the driver's seat, not our flesh, not our shame, not our emotions like fear or anger. And as we partner with the Holy Spirit, shame won't hijack our lives or relationships. And we can powerfully show up reminding ourselves that we don't have to respond or even hear their message through a shame wave. Partnering with the Holy Spirit means we're partnering with divine love and with God's supernatural power. When the Holy Spirit is in the driver's seat of our lives, we'll operate in His peace as we consistently receive His love. And we'll begin to see ourselves as He sees us and His love becomes our anchor instead of shame and this is the most freeing thing and it will completely wreck and change your life so keep spending time with god keep seeking him practice receiving from him that's another message but i just had to throw that in um so d driver's seat make sure the holy spirit is in the driver's seat and that you submit to him let him lead in closing, I really hope that this, this episode has been super helpful, helped you to be more aware of the sneaky nature of shame and ways it can hijack our emotions, our responses, and our relationships if we don't recognize it. If you've lived out a shame narrative, I encourage you to get help. Come see me for some one-on-one sessions or get help from another coach, therapist, or counselor. But know that you can get free. You don't have to live... And even if maybe a shame narrative is all you've known, you don't have to live and be stuck in that shame narrative. Shame is not the narrative that Jesus wants you to live. There's hope for you to get free from shame-based identity and the devastating effects that it has on our relationships. Remember, God created us for connection and community with ourselves, with Him, and with other people. So I want to briefly review today what we've discussed. There's a difference between an occasional feeling of shame versus a shame-based identity where we see ourselves through a lens of shame. When we recognize shame is operating, we can simply ask ourselves, is this touching an old wound for me? Is this a trigger to some past pain or trauma in my life? Now that you know about shame waves, Just begin to watch out for them as you listen and interpret message. Remember that shame waves are like the background pad that's laid down in music. It's this undulating reverberation of shame that will twist messages. So be aware, am I filtering messages through this wave of shame? And if so, your responses to them are going to be pretty confusing and are going to cause problems in that relationship. Remember there's hope. Just because you've wrestled with shame most of your life doesn't mean you have to continue to let it dominate you. Getting vulnerable with yourself, with God, and with others, moving towards God and others is a way to experience victory over shame and to experience connection in relationships. So with practice, we can retrain our brains. God can retrain our hearts in the way we perceive ourselves 
so we don't have to hear and interpret messages through that reverberating sound of a shame wave. To deal with shame crashes in a healthy way. A is for being aware, right? Just let awareness help you avoid shame crashes. B, put on the brakes and breathe. Just slow down and take a few deep breaths to de-escalate your sympathetic nervous system. Breathe in. Holy Spirit, fill me. Breathe out your anxiety, your fear, shame. C is connect to God. As we connect to the Holy Spirit, we can submit our hearts and emotions to Him and invite Him into that messy moment. And then D is driver's seat. Remember, let the Holy Spirit be in the driver's seat of your life. Not your flesh, not our shame, not our emotions. As we partner with the Holy Spirit, shame can't hijack our lives or our relationships. When the Holy Spirit is in the driver's seat, we can live in peace and we can continually receive His love. And that will eventually become our anchor instead of that old familiar shame. So I hope this episode about shame was helpful and practical for you. If shame is something that you deal with in a very overt way, you may want to go back and listen to this episode and take notes. If you didn't hear the previous podcast, part one on shame, I think it's called Shame, Emotion, or Oppression. Go back and listen to that one as well. Um, because the more we listen, the more senses we use of like writing and taking notes, the more it will sink in and we can begin to live these truths out. And I just want to say, in closing, I'd love to hear from you. If there's any topic that you want me to address in the podcast, please reach out, DM me on Instagram. I'm at Kimberly K. Stokes. Or you can email me at info at connectcoach.co because I want this podcast to be relevant to your daily life. I want it, your relationship with God, your life in God to come face to face with all the ups and downs, the struggles and the victories in your daily life. So I bless you to thrive, my friend. Remember that I'm rooting for you and more importantly, your heavenly father's rooting for you. Let's lean into his nearness today and live from his fullness. Until next time. Friend, I'm so glad you joined me for today's show. If you need help navigating through your emotions, relationships, past trauma, or just getting that breakthrough, you can find me online at connectcoach.co. I offer in-person and virtual sessions, so check it out. I'd be honored to partner with you. I'm so glad we're on the journey together.